Ruby Ryder here. Welcome to Pegging Paradise Podcast number 301. <laughs> That's got a nice ring to it. <laughs> Changing the world one ass at a time. My mission here at Pegging Paradise Podcast is first and foremost to spread the word about pegging. I offer you accurate information to dispel the common myths and misconceptions. Basically, I spread the knowledge so that you can get onto the thrill of spreading your cheeks or your partner's. Another part of my mission is encouraging you to explore your out-of-the-box sexual interests without shame or embarrassment. Shame is the silent saboteur of sexual satisfaction. Don't let it stop you from delving into the world of pegging and any other consensual safe kink that calls to you. The journey can be exhilarating, breathtaking, and life-changing. If you'd like to support this mission, become a patron of my work. All patrons have access to the podcast a day early as well as a 24-7 chat channel full of pegging aficionados from all over the world. Rewards for the various levels of monthly support include written and audio erotica to titillate and inspire. You can also make yearly one-time donations and receive the same benefits as a monthly patron. Another way to support my work is shopping at EnticeMe.com, the little black dress of pleasure products. Head over to EnticeMe and peruse a meticulously curated selection of luxury, body-safe, non-toxic toys, specifically chosen for your thrills and satisfaction. For free shipping of your entire purchase, use the coupon code RIDER, that's R-Y-D-E-R. Need help figuring out which pegging equipment is the best choice for you? I offer free equipment phone consultations for customers of EnticeMe. You will be supporting my mission of spreading cheeks around the world. (laughs) So one of the first things I want to talk about is something that just came up in the news today, a little bit yesterday, and it's this ridiculous thing of uh, Prince, I guess, Prince, yeah, Prince Philip, that's who it is, yeah, uh, being called the Prince of Pegging. And, you know, I look forward to the day when pegging is used as a positive association as opposed to a negative association. As I was scrolling through the different posts and things, and this is on that trash can place called (laughs) X or Twitter or whatever the fuck it is now, right? There was no specific, oh my God, pegging is disgusting or anything like that. But it was all too obvious that all the posts were making fun of him, talking about his marriage was bad, and blah, 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 like I really give a shit. But the pegging thing was tagged in there, you know, purely to embarrass or whatever. And yeah, I do live for the day where pegging is a positive association. Like, you know, hey, it's the 21st century, people. If you haven't discovered how much pleasure can be experienced with anal penetration or or just anal stimulation, right? Then, yeah, you're not in the 21st century, basically. There's a whole world of pleasure that you're not paying any attention to. So while I am always a fan of more exposure for pegging, yeah, I do really kind of want the right kind of exposure, I guess you could say. And certainly the prince of pegging is not. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Okay, what's up here otherwise? Well, it's it rained last night and today. And I know I sound so amazed because over here in California, yeah, we haven't been getting a whole lot of rain. So it was lovely to wake up this morning to the sound of rain. Everything is all damp and fresh feeling. I'm going to take the dogs for a ride in the car. have to make a run up to the store and I'm going to put the windows down. So I have two dogs and one of them is an escape artist to the point where... 
I can't even let her out the front door and call her for a car ride and know that she'll come and jump in the car. I need to carry her. And she's small, so that works. But <laughs> I was um, about 10 miles away at the store and she jumped out the window because I had the window rolled down too far. I really like to have windows rolled down so the dogs can stick their noses in the breeze and enjoy that. I read somewhere that it's really, really fun for dogs. In fact, it gets them kind of high, is what I read. I have no validity here on this, but I have no source. But what I recall is that their, their scent, their smell, their sense of smell, is so sensitive that with their nose out the window, it's like they're totally high because they're getting all of these amazing scents one after another. So yes, she jumped out the window. Well, here's the embarrassing part. I didn't even notice. <laughs> I swear to God. <laughs> oh my God, I got back to my house and there was only one dog in the back. <laughs> Seriously, there was only one dog. And I thought, well, maybe she got out, there's a gate and I have to stop and open the gate, drive in, shut the gate. And I thought maybe she got out there. So I drove down to the gate, looked around, walked around a bit, drove around a bit, couldn't find her. So she didn't show up that night and she always comes home if she got out and about anywhere on the ranch where I live. She's always come back. So I thought, okay, she must have jumped out sooner. And she did get kind of frantic when we were driving by different dogs on leashes and things. And I think that's what happened. She did that. But I actually got a call from some people uh, the next morning and they said, yeah, well, we've had your dog overnight and, and animal control kindly drove out and scanned her little microchip thing and gave us your phone number. <laughs> or actually, the animal control people called me up and gave me the number of the person who had her. So long story short, yes, I want to have the windows rolled down when I take them for a car ride, but I can't with this little escapist dog. So then I found out about this way cool thing that's like this harness thing. Well, I mean, she always she already wears a harness when I walk her so that it doesn't pull on her neck and it's on her body. I'm sure anybody who's walking dogs or seen people walking dogs have seen the harnesses as opposed to the leashes, collars around their neck. So she has that. But there's this thing that attaches to that and then clicks into the seat belt in the back seat. It's fucking gold, I swear to God. I, I got it. And now I can have the windows rolled down all the way. Because the other dog, no problem at all. She doesn't even look like she's thinking about jumping out. It's like, oh, hell no. Because she's not an escape artist. She's not a bold little thing. She's a little bit shy and she's very sensitive. So yeah, she's not going to jump out the window. So I'm just so happy with this turn of events that I now have my little escape artist secured so that I can roll the windows down so that my dogs can be high on scents. <laughs> So that's my story. <laughs> it's going to be beautiful outside, though, when I take that car ride up there. So, okay, what else is happening? Um, well, things are changing at the platform on Podia. And Podia is the thing that underpins the theartofpegging.com. That's the structure underneath that website, which allows me to do everything I do over there, just to post up all of my TikTok videos and to leave Patreon and make it just a patron thing over there. And all of my webinars are scheduled there and can be registered for there. All of that is over there, right? Well, they're changing the way that they have emails. First, 
they changed the, the email editor and they gave us lots and lots more choices, which is pretty cool because it was pretty bare bones before. But then they sent this thing out saying, hey, we're going to start charging for your subscribers. Now, subscribers are different than patrons. Patrons are one thing, and those are you lovely people out there who have decided that you would like to support my work so that you've signed up to give me a dollar a month or three or five or what have you, right? So those are patrons. But on that foundation, over at the Art of Pegging, it automatically collects your email because you have to put the email in to register for the webinar. Those people are called subscribers. And certainly that's like a, a MailChimp email list kind of. And there's always a thing at the bottom that says you can unsubscribe anytime you want. So we get are going to get charged. This is in the future. We are going to get charged for subscribers only. Okay. Meaning they're, they're going to charge us for sending emails out by the number of subscribers that we have. So I took a look at that and I thought, well, okay, this is sort of like a moment of truth here. Why is it a moment of truth? Because I have such a strong feeling about junk emails that I've never really used my subscriber email list for much of anything. I send out maybe one or two or three a year. And once again, this is not like the newsletter that you patrons get. It's different. And so you may have had a webinar with me and then never heard from me again, you know, past that uh, post webinar email is what I mean. So, I mean, email list, that's what they're for is for marketing and marketing is for making money. <laughs> so, so here's what happened. I taught a webinar and because they changed the text editor, I went in to send the post webinar email and things were a little different. I'd used it a few times before already, but I just pressed the wrong button, right? And instead of sending it to the 32 people who had taken my equipment webinar, I sent it to 2.7 thousand people. <laughs> and I have a couple of test accounts on alternate emails. And so my phone starts dinging and those come in and I'm like, oh crap. So, um, I was just about getting ready to go out for a celebratory dinner because the ongoing workout competition reset once again this last time I won and we were getting ready to go out for our celebratory meal. So I thought I'll just handle this when I come back. When I came back, I sent out a very short email saying, hey, I sent this by mistake. Oops, right? And I got to tell you guys, here's what happened. I think I got about four, maybe five total emails from people saying, wow, I don't think I went to this webinar. I'm not sure why I'm getting this. And one person was even really concerned that perhaps someone had broken into my email list or something like that. Maybe they needed to change their passwords. No, nothing like that was the problem. I just sent it to the wrong people by accident. But by contrast, when I sent that oops, sorry letter out and said, yep, sent it to the wrong people, my bad, 15 people emailed me back and it, the number is still growing and said, hey, it was really nice to hear from you. In fact, one lovely person said, anytime I get some kind of a reminder to peg my boyfriend, it's a good day. So thank you. <laughs> right? So that's when I sat back and thought, okay, maybe, just maybe 
I should be using the subscriber list, uh, like for marketing, for, for what it's intended for, right? So that maybe I can pay all my bills with this whole Ruby Rider empire that I have. So I sat down and I puzzled it all out and it, it took some puzzling actually, but I, I put together an email with all the right links to go in all the right places with affiliate codes and all that stuff. And basically the email I sent out was for pretty dildos. There were glow in the dark dildos, there were glitter dildos, and there were just really brightly colored ones. It, 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 <laughs> the name of the email was pretty things, right? <laughs> and I had some fun with it. And at the, at the beginning of that email, I said, Hey, you know, thank you for all being so kind and gracious. And, you know, clearly anybody can unsubscribe at any time. And I encourage you to do so if this bothers you or if you don't want to be sold to through this subscriber list, because, you know, if I can cut down my subscriber list a little bit, then I pay a little bit less per month <laughs> for having that many subscribers, right? <laughs> but it was fun to put together and I really enjoyed it. And I have got nothing but uh, positive responses and I think maybe three or four people uh, unsubscribed. So yes, the first step of the marketing experiment. And it's funny because some people, you know, it's like, what? how long have you been doing this and you've never really taken advantage of the mailing list? I know, I know, but I've started everybody. So it's not like a warning. That's not what I meant because my tone of voice kind of sounded like that. What I mean is that email concentrated on pretty dildos. Okay. So what other categories would you like me to cover? Would you like me to send out an email that has all kinds of options for solo play? Would you like me to send out an email where everything on it has a vibrating part of it, right? And what about my f most favorite prettiest harnesses that I've run across? I mean, all kinds of things, right? If you have any ideas about anything you would like me to cover, please let me know and I will do that <laughs> because I want to give you what you want. I don't want to bother you, but at the same time, oh wow, I'm, I'm so nervous about getting into the whole marketing junk email thing. So there you go. In fact, one person wrote me and said, you know, I'm pretty sure I signed up for this. So yeah, it's totally okay if you send me emails. <laughs> so I hope you enjoyed it. If you did indeed receive that. If you are a listener of my podcast and you are not a subscriber and you would like to be in on this email list, then all you have to do is go to theartofpegging.com and sign up right there. Scroll down to the bottom of the, the first page. Or if you have ever taken a webinar from me, you should be getting it automatically. Every once in a while, uh, when things bounce, then you'll get kicked off the list. So that is a possibility that you took a webinar from me and you're not getting it, you know, regardless. But now you know what to do if you want to continue receiving them, if you want to receive them and you never have, if you thought you should be and you're not, not all the things, right? Because it was a really pretty collection of dildos. Glow in the dark. Oh my God, those are so fun. Okay, so yes, that was a long check-in, but there you go. So let's get to your letters here. In fact, let's start off with pegging celebration time. 
Good evening, Ruby. I wanted to tell you that my fantasy came true, and I was finally pegged by my wife recently. We've been together for 20 years and married for 12 of those. For the past few years, our sex life was pretty stagnant. We had occasional sex every few weeks, and even then it was plain PIV sex. I had lots of fantasies during this time, being tied up, being flogged, etc. But the one I really wanted was to try being pegged. Last year, for whatever reason, our sex life got better. It was still fairly vanilla, mostly PIV and oral sex, but the frequency increased and my wife seems more interested in it. So one day I asked her if she had any fantasies. She said she really didn't, and then I went for it. I told her I wanted her to try something. I asked her if she ever heard of pegging. She said no. So I grabbed my phone, typed pegging in the search engine, and showed her a picture. Think graphic, not a photo. She was turned on by it and said it sounded very sexy. So we went online and ordered a couple of dildos and harnesses to see what she would like. While we were waiting for them to be delivered, we messed around with her penetrating me with her finger and a butt plug I picked up from a local shop. Once the items we ordered came, things hit a pause. We still talked about it, but didn't do anything. Then one night she asked me if she could peg me. I said yes. So we both had a drink and then we went to the bedroom. I helped her get into her harness and then, while I was standing next to the bed, she lubed it up and penetrated me. And it was wonderful. We went at it in that position for a bit with me reaching around to grab her and her thrusting into me. She then had me get on the bed and lie down. After adding lube, she put it back in me and went to town. She thrust hard and fast and I loved it. I was making sounds neither of us had heard, and she was so turned on she came from just pegging me. I had the best night, and she did too. We've done it several more times since, using new positions and messing around with bondage and some spanking. I had no idea how much I was going to enjoy that. I wanted to share my experience with you and your listeners on your podcast if you chose to share my story. Thank you for your work in this field. Everyone should try pegging. It's a wonderful experience. <laughs> and this is from Jason. Jason, congratulations to you and your wife. I am so happy for you. And that's such a great story. When you take a deep breath and summon the courage and just let those words come out and say, hey, I think I want to try this. It can be so scary in that moment. But you had the courage to do it. So congratulations to you. And I am so glad that she reacted so positively. What a wonderful thing to, to hear those words come out of her mouth. I think that looks sexy. Oh, <laughs> yay. That's like dream come true response, right? And I am so happy for you both. Plus, coming the very first time she fucks you. Holy crap. That's lovely. That is absolutely lovely. Congratulations. It was a pleasure playing the music for you. Okay, here's my next letter. 
First off, I love your podcast and am grateful for all you do. I've been into anal play for most of my life. My wife and I have started pegging in the last couple of years. She is not into it as much as I am, however. She appreciated the gratification I get out of it. It's mostly special occasions, maybe once a month. I wish it were more often, but I'll take what I can get. I recently had a heart attack, which involved getting two stents put in. We've read that anal sex can be dangerous because of the vagus nerve. I'm comfortable talking with my doctors about sex, but pegging is a little more personal. I've scoured the internet looking for definitive answers, even looking at gay sex after a cardiac event. There just is not much info out there. I'm wondering if you have any input on this. We are having sex now, very vanilla for the time being. I'm hoping we can get more adventurous as time goes by. We do like to have our fun. Though we don't peg as often as I'd like, I'm happy to play by myself or with our fucking machine. Now, I'm apprehensive about getting back into it. I miss it so. There is nothing out there to say how long you should wait or even if it is ever safe to resume anal play after a heart attack. Anything you can offer is greatly appreciated. Thank you. And this is from Jake. I wish I had something. You know, this just goes to show you, even after 13 years, you're going to find something new once in a while. And you, sir, have written in with something new. I did not know that about heart surgery, about a heart attack, and about the vagus nerve connection. So I hope that I have enough listeners out there to where somebody is a doctor and can send in some kind of anonymous email or find me on one of my uh, social media platforms somewhere and write me and let me know if you have any information about this at all, because I simply don't. I mean, I'm pretty familiar with what the the vagus nerve does, but uh, I did not know that anal sex can be dangerous because of the vagus nerve. Had no idea. And I think it was really smart to check the gay community. You would think that somebody would know, or maybe that that question had been asked of Dan Savage on his show. But I will cast about, send out a few messages, and see what I can find out. And as of now, I don't have an answer, but I'm hoping to have one for the next podcast. So thank you for writing in with that and I'll see what I can find. Okay, while editing this, I decided to do a Google search one more time. And here is something I found and I will give you a link to this. This is actually a paper about, a medical paper talking about Sexual Counseling for Individuals with Cardiovascular Disease and Their Partners, a consensus document from the American Heart Association and the ESC Council on Cardiovascular Nursing and Allied Professionals. Okay, la la la. Right, so I found a paragraph and I'm going to read it to you, but I'm certainly going to put the link to this document in the show notes. And here's what it says. Anal sex can be a pleasurable sexual activity enjoyed by both heterosexual and homosexual couples. However, anal penetration stimulates the vagus nerve, which leads to a slowed heart rate, rhythm, impulse conduction, and coronary blood flow, which can result in diminished cardiac performance and chest pain. Therefore, 
Sexual counseling might include the avoidance of anal sex until the cardiac condition is stabilized and after further evaluation of the safety of sexual activity. So the rest of this document goes into all kinds of different specifics and concerns regarding regular sexual activity in both genders, both gendered bodies, right? So it has a lot of information there, but that is a document that I think I might bring to the doctor so I think what I would do is I would link to this document, send it to your doctor, and basically the next time you see your doctor say, look, um, I really enjoy anal receptive stimulation and I would like to get back to that activity as soon as possible. And you can leave it at that. You don't have to say anything else. But I am concerned about the vagus nerve stimulation like you mentioned. So in this document, it says once things are stabilized, that anal sex can potentially resume. I would like to work towards that and I would also appreciate any further information you have in this regard because this is a goal that I have to get back to that. That was an enjoyable part of my sexual activity. Boom, leave it at that. Or change some of the words here and there. But I'm really glad that I found this. So I decided to stick an addendum in the middle of the podcast here while I was editing and I'll put that link in the show notes. Here's my next letter. Recently, I was shocked by a revelation by a man I met. I am into femdom porn, but only now I realize there is this serious situation going on with real-life femdom acts. Yesterday, I saw this stranger getting slapped by a woman in my apartment corridor. No one else saw it except me. When the scene was over, I walked to him and asked him, what just happened? And with a happy face, he said that it was part of his, quote, plan, end quote, that he groped the woman's butt just to get a beating from her. He said he does that often. I couldn't say anything. I looked at him and walked away. I don't know if it was a joke or their issue was actually something else, but I think it is very much possible such people exist. Okay, so the easiest and first response to your letter is that, yes, absolutely, femdom is not just in porn. This may come as a surprise to you, but actually there is a thriving community of kinky people, and one part of that kinky community is feminine domination, female domination, femdom, right? And all kinds of things happen with femdom. And a lot of the things that happen are things that you see in porn. It is always good to look at porn as entertainment, a show, not reality. But there are some resemblances, absolutely, to femdom in reality because there's a whole kink community and that is part of the kink community. But what I want to talk about now for a bit is consent. Okay, so a couple of things on this. First, that must have been shocking to see. I mean, you mentioned that it was quite shocking and surprising to you to see that. If people are into, you would call that sadomasochism, right? He's the masochist, she's the sadist, right? I mean, I identify as a sadist, so I get that sometimes it's fun to cause people pain in a variety of different ways. And for masochists, sometimes it is fun to receive that pain. There might be another aspect happening here, which is like humiliation type of stuff. But I am a firm believer that if you enjoy that kind of thing, you need to always remember that it is not okay to non-consensually inflict your kink on someone else. In other words, if they were just doing this for fun, and this is something that they do all the time, 
um, because they enjoy it. And, you know, he is kind of a brat and annoys her or gropes her or something. And then she slaps him and gets all pissed off at him. And then maybe they go and have hot sex. I don't know. Um, that's great for them to do it in front of people who are not a part of that or, or um, have not consented to that is not okay. So for example, if they went to a dungeon, and a dungeon is what they call pe- where people who are into BDSM play, it's a venue where a bunch of people get together. They vary a lot and some have different rules, but basically when you go to a place like that, there's a lot of things going on that you may not like to do yourself, but other people like, and it's all consensual and there's no judgment. But like I say, there are rules. Some things you can do and some things you can't in venues like that. There are always rules. So the consent thing is huge. It's really not okay to do that kind of thing to people in public. That would be like if I had a sub and had a collar and a leash around them and and I was holding that leash and I was walking around, okay? Like in the mall or something or even down the corridor in my apartment building. No, not okay. It is not okay because they have not consented to it, okay? Anybody who sees that has not consented to it. And it is a kink, you know? I have told this story before, and I might have told it on the podcast. In fact, I think I have. But in this moment, it deserves to be told again. I was at DomCon, and the DomCon is is held at a Hilton Hotel near the LA International Airport, and they very graciously allow us to have our convention there because it gets pretty kinky. And they usually put us in the lower, uh, I think it's called the lower ballroom. I wouldn't call it a ballroom because it's just basically one floor down. It's all underground and there's all kinds of rooms, but they allow us to do this. And it's a wonderful thing because there are not a lot of places out there that are really welcoming for the kinky people. And we bring them a lot of business, but at the same time, I'm so grateful that they put up with us, so to speak, because it's not like we take over the whole hotel because we don't. So there are other guests there as well, and they might kind of notice that people are dressed a little colorfully and things, and there are absolutely rules about no masks and the bits have to be covered and stuff like this, right? But there I am a day early. I went down a day early, and I'm sitting there just in jeans and a shirt in the, the lobby where there's nice, comfortable chairs. I got my laptop and I'm working. And I watched these people go by, and she was dressed all in latex. He was dressed in a little uh, ballerina type of tutu outfit and had a hood on and a ball gag and was mincing along in very high heels, and she had a leash and a collar on him. And they were going to, wait for it, the Starbucks. In my opinion, not okay. Totally not okay. I don't know. That's always an interesting line to walk, you know? But because it's a kinky thing, it's not like, oh, that person has a Spider-Man costume on. Oh, no, no, no. It has a different flavor than that. So it is a, a consent issue. Those people have not consented to be part of your kink. And if part of your kink involves not just dressing up like that, but going out and having people see you, then by damn, do it in a dungeon. You know, don't do that shit in the hotel. So anyway, that's how I think about it. So I went off on this whole story. You having seen that, it could be that he really likes getting slapped. It could be he made up that story 
because he was embarrassed that she had slapped him and he wanted to let you know, oh no, this is okay. It's hard to tell what was going on, but oh yeah, there is a whole femdom thing going on. And ideally, you don't see that right out in public because people are doing it in the right places where everyone has consented. (laughs) Everyone has consented. Yeah, so femdom is not just in femdom porn. (laughs) Thanks for writing in and telling me about this experience you had. All right, here's my next letter. Hi, Ruby. Love listening to your podcast. I've been married for 13 years and my wife and I have dabbled in anal play off and on. She knows that I love having my ass filled and touched. We started with various beginner butt plugs on each other and eventually I told her how I really fantasize about taking a cock in my ass and sucking one. She was very accepting and appreciated me opening up to her. We ended up pegging for the first time on New Year's Eve four years ago, and it was mind-blowing. We were in a hotel on the 13th floor, and I was bent over an ottoman looking out the window while wearing a sexy Andrew Christian (laughs) jockstrap. My wife really got into it and was able to really ram me good. I, in turn, gave her some anal in return, which was so hot. We often talk about how hot that night was, but we have only full-on pegged one other time since then. Her hesitation comes from being afraid that she cannot fully please all my sexual desires. I let her know that I am fully committed to her and love her sexually and that she blows my mind. Even after 13 years, we still have sex five to six times a week. Just a lot less anal lately. Well, I have been spending a lot of time with pleasing my wife with my hands, all over her and going above and beyond, showing her how much I love her. The other night, things started to get hot and I was getting her very aroused when she threw me on my back and said, why don't you get something I can stick in your ass? I went and got a nice pink dildo and she told me to lay on my stomach. She proceeded to lube me up and then began to slide the dildo in me. She got really turned on and began to thrust behind me into me. It felt so good having her take control of me. She then rolled me onto my back with the dildo still in my ass. She straddled and mounted my cock. She reached around and continued penetrating me with the dildo while riding my throbbing cock. She came on my cock and then proceeded to give me a mind-blowing orgasm while the dildo was still in my ass. It felt so amazing, and she was so turned on by the experience, she can't wait to do it again. I can't wait to see where this is going to go. I believe this is all because I put so much focus on giving to her that she felt how much pleasure it would bring her to give me this kind of pleasure as well. And this is from Jay. Jay, that is a fantastic story. I'm always a little puzzled when a really long period of time goes by from the first pegging, or maybe you're doing it for a while and then you just stop. And I know there's a zillion reasons for that, but to go that many years, four years without suggesting it or bringing it up again, you didn't really get into those details, but it only happened once and then not since then. And clearly you have talked about it because she said, Her hesitation comes from being afraid she cannot fully please all my sexual desires. Oh my goodness, there's so much equipment out there to please your sexual desires. (laughs) You know, there's so much equipment out there. There's all kinds of different dildos that vibrate and they're curved and they're textured and they're 
glittery and oh goodness the equipment is a plus is my point you know there is so much there for her to play with to please you so many different choices that she can use to bring you pleasure i really appreciate how you made the effort and just gave her so much pleasure that I do think what happens in that kind of a situation, it's like, oh my God, my partner has made me so happy, so satisfied and really gone above and beyond. Now I want to go above and beyond because clearly she knew that you wanted some anal action. So yes, I am encouraged by that as well. I hope it turns on to a full-on passionate pegging frequent encounter for you because <laughs> I can hear it's kind of what you want. <laughs> so let us know how that goes. Absolutely. And you know, you can always take my beginner's pegging webinar. <laughs> Thank you so much for writing in. And here's my next letter. Hi, Ruby. I just wanted to offer you a sincere and heartfelt thank you. I'm in my late 30s, married with a soon-to-be three-year-old, and a few months ago realized I'm bi. My wife was loving and supportive. That rekindled some sexual self-exploration I'd toyed with in my early 20s and which, frankly, has been one of a few bright spots in my life lately. Having a kid changes things a lot. Throw in COVID and other life challenges and it's been hard to connect with my wife, especially sexually. And it's hard to feel like you're having a sexual renaissance when there's so much stuff in the way between you and the person you'd most want to share it with. I've really missed the intimacy and connection of sex, but I've also had a lot of self-doubt as to whether or not that was a smokescreen for just wanting sex too much, or pleasure over connection, or whatever other anxieties our brains manufacture. Then I heard the testimonials at the end of episode 112, women and couples who discovered new levels of connection and intimacy with partners after trying pegging, not to mention the encouragement and affirmation you offered the men throughout that episode. It was a lighthouse when I sorely needed one, an affirmation that my desire for intimacy, to be open and vulnerable with my wife, and that one vector for that might be pegging. It was huge. It helped me believe that yes, I had a genuine emotional need alongside any desire for pleasure. It's helped rekindle my motivation to connect despite all the stuff life throws at us and that we put in our own ways to work on communication and to eventually share with her this new way that I would like to make love with her. It really, really meant a lot. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. And this is from Andrew. Andrew, oh my goodness. I know that that podcast 112 can be very powerful for some people, and it does seem like it was that way for you. I think that where sexuality is concerned, our society is so sex negative, we get a lot of sex negative messages from a whole variety of places, our whole lives. And then we're expected to just shed all that and, and be really easygoing and open and vulnerable and not have doubts. And it's kind of crazy when you think about it. So if this helped kind of clear things up for you, because it really sounds like it did, I'm so happy that whatever I put out there in the world, if, if it helps you along your path of discovering and, and exploring your sexuality, I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled beyond words. And you know, it's been a long time since I've listened to podcast number 112. I mean, 
Why would I? I recorded it. I totally forgot that I had testimonials at the end of it. So now I'm going to go back and listen to it again because it's like, wow, it's been a while. I'm curious now how that podcast will land when I listen to it because I don't remember everything I said. I mean, I'm sure a lot of it will come back to me pretty quickly because I talk about all those myths and misconceptions every single time I teach a beginner's webinar. But I'm really happy for you that that is such a, um, what's the word for it? What it sounds like, what you're describing, is that it's a place of relaxing into who you are and becoming more clear about what you want and, and what's there and what isn't there without nearly as much um, cloudiness and confusion. So that's kind of a lot of words to say what you said, but I'm glad it helped. Thank you so much for writing in and letting me know. Okay, here we are for another one. Uh, Hi, Ruby. I hope you are well. I really miss your podcast. Are your listeners getting lucky anytime soon? (laughs) Anyway, I have an issue, and I think that you may be able to help me with that. Some time ago, we bought a nice fantasy dildo, which feels fantastic because it increases in girth in the middle and decreases near the base. It is not like a knot as the girth increases and decreases very gradually. It is also very soft, so even though it is fairly wide in the middle, reaching 2.4 inches in diameter, it is relatively easy to take. It is also a long dildo, near 9 inches, but it has a slim head, so it is not an issue. Sadly, I have noticed that my wife does not enjoy the dildo as much, so I asked her about it, and she told me that the dildo is very soft, so she cannot thrust properly for two reasons. The first one is that the dildo is so floppy that it bends if she gets it out more than a few inches. The second is that she doesn't feel the dildo as it is really soft and does not put any pressure on her pussy. The thing is that I really enjoy a dildo that changes in girth in the middle because it puts a lot of pressure on my prostate. And then there's that feeling of relief once the widest part clears my butthole. So I tried to find something similar but less floppy so she could enjoy the fucking as well. It is really difficult to find within the European community a dildo of the same length and girth which is medium firm and has that bump in the middle, not a knot as I really don't like them. After a long, thorough research, we found a seller that offered something similar to what I am looking for. And then he gives a link to a place called Akifu Toys, A-K-I-F-U Toys.com. This dildo is not as long, but is girthier, reaching 2.6 in the middle. It was not an easy decision because I didn't really want something wider, but there weren't that many alternatives, so I thought that I could work for it. In the end, what's 0.2 inches more, right? Boy, was I wrong. For starters, this new dildo has little give. It is not super firm, but it is not super soft either. So those 0.2 extra inches felt difficult to conquer. But the part that I didn't really consider was that this dildo has a really wide head that reaches deep. The last dildo went deeper, but the head was slim, and I didn't notice it that much. The new one, well, you feel it a lot. Tried to suck it up and work for it, and after a month of training solo, I couldn't take this dildo for more than 10 minutes. So I thought that sadly, This dildo was not the one for us and started searching again without any luck. A couple of weeks passed and I found a pegging video on Reddit that really caught my attention. 
I do not really watch pegging porn that much because most of them are very degrading for men. I like much more gentle femdom or even sensual pegging. Anyway, I watched the full video on Pornhub and she does the kind of pegging that I like. It starts very lovingly and then she really pounds him with a very big dildo and with very long thrusts. Their videos also have very good quality and awesome aesthetics. I have not seen anything like that before. I shared the video with my wife and she also loved it. After watching that video, I really wanted to work my way up to take our new dildo and have our wife pounding me like the woman on the video does to her partner. In case you're interested, the couple called themselves Cosmic Broccoli. Why am I not surprised? <laughs> Ruby says, yes, Cosmic Broccoli. They're an amazing amateur porn and they have an OnlyFans and wow. Okay, so anyway, this is, I'll, I'll put the link in the linkorama, you guys. Okay, so my question is, do you know a way to speed up the training process to take a bigger dildo? Consider that after almost two months, I can more or less take the girth, but such a big head is really difficult to get used to. Looking forward to your next podcast. Have a wonderful weekend. And this is from Rafa. It's been a while since I've heard from you, Rafa. Wow, it's lovely to hear from you again. So, um, let's see, more firm and the point two inches so Part of this is, let me see the one that you bought and see how long that is. Okay, so you mentioned the one you had before that was too soft, that didn't work well for your wife, was nearly nine inches. And then this one is 8.2. So here are some measurements, and forgive me if I am putting it all in inches because I know centimeters is what you're working with on your side of the pond, so to speak, um, from the opening of your anus, where your sphincter is, to the back of your rectal canal, varies from person to person, anywhere from six to seven and a half inches. So at that point, your physiology in your body takes a right-hand turn. That's called the rectosigmoid junction. So and if you took my webinar, you, you would probably remember this as well when I teach about this. So if you have a toy pushing up against that, there seems to be some discussion and some uncertainty as to whether that's a true sphincter or not. But nonetheless, it is kind of a, a gate, if you will. It is not only a right-hand turn, so you do need something soft and flexible, but ideally, you're absolutely right. It's better to start off with something tapered. And it does look like that particular toy does have a bit of a head on it. So I think what I might do, I know that you looked long and hard to try and find a toy that fits that description, is I would try and find a toy that's a little bit more what you like um, or one that um, is similar to the older one that she didn't like so much. And I know some of the specialty toy makers that I know that have toys that wide because there are certain places that sell those and they are soft because they need to be for your safety. And yes, <laughs> if it wasn't as soft, you would have a lot more trouble taking that point too, partly because when you've got a really soft dildo, it squishes down as the, as your body kind of pushes against it, right? So it's you're not taking that full measurement because the toy squishes in a little bit. But I'm gonna look around a little bit and see what I can find here. 
So here are the solutions that I have thought of. First of all, I want to discount using the same toy that you used before, which was the problem, because initially I thought maybe one of the things that we could do is modify the base of it so it's more satisfactory for her. However, I heard loud and clear that this is not a fun toy for her to use because it's too floppy, she can't pull out, and it tends to get floppy when she pulls out and goes back in. So that is nothing but frustration. So let's forget about that toy. And next, I really wouldn't advise trying to speed up the process of being able to take that new toy because even if you can take the girth, the length of it pushes through that rectosademoid junction, and that is not something to rush, trying to stretch that. That is something that is done gradually over a long period of time. So I think you'd be safer, and I think you'd be able to really let go and get that eventual pounding at the end of your session if you have something that was a little bit shorter. Now, the only question I have is I'm not sure how much of the pleasure you experience with that old toy has to do with the fact that it does dip in past that rectosigmoid junction because it's a longer toy. It's tapered and it's soft, so it could be that part of the pleasure you feel from that toy is because of that part of it and that sensation. Now, if it doesn't have much to do with that at all and basically what you're focusing on and what your biggest pleasure is derived from, the most amount of pleasure anyway, would be the biggest because it's the biggest part of it would be that stretch in the middle that presses against your prostate then I have some optional toys for you I took a look over at Mr. Hankey's and I have three different toys for you to take a look at they are shorter so that means that you're not going to hit that rectosigmoid junction but they're just as wide and Mr. Hankey's does offer a couple of different levels of firmness so you can choose something that's a bit more firm of a toy and if it is shorter it will also just the physics of it if it is shorter it will be more firm as well the first one is the beef cake and that one let's see here the biggest it gets is 2.2 inches it only narrows to 2.0 at the base so it's not so much of a differential between the middle of it and then right before the base of it and it inserts, let's see here, 6.44 inches. Then there is, and that's kind of a realistic looking toy. And then there's one called, believe it or not, the Alien Breeder. <laughs> and these are all the small sizes, all these three toys I'm going to talk to you about. The small size here, the biggest diameter in the middle is 2.18. And it does go down to a 1.7 at the base and that is a 7.5 insertable and the last one is Cthulhu spelled with a K that's also the small and the widest one on that the widest part in the middle is 2.4 inches goes down to a 2.0 right before the base and it's a seven and a half inch insertable so those are possibilities both the alien breeder and the Cthulhu are a little bit more textured but these are very soft toys so I'm not sure if that's something that bothers you or if that's something that's totally fine but the length and the shape of those are similar to what you're looking for the other thing i found was on she vibe and it is a thing called a unicorn tongue dildo <laughs> it is rainbow colored and it glows in the dark <laughs> but the important part is <laughs> it starts off very very tapered uh, like the toy that you're describing very tapered it's just an inch 
and it is 7.4 inches insertable so that shouldn't be a problem anyway but yes very tapered and then it just gets wider it barely uh, reduces in size at the base so this is more of a thing that just gets wider and wider and the widest part of it is 2.3 inches so that's something to check out as well. All of these are pretty soft toys, but they're not ultra, ultra soft toys. And like I said, at Mr. Hankey's, you can choose what level of firmness you want. So you would choose one that was a little bit more firm, not the softest one they have is what I'm trying to say. Now, if the toy that you choose has... Um, that same effect in terms of your partner where she doesn't get much out of it because it's too soft and when she pushes against it, it just isn't firm enough for her to grind against. That is something we can absolutely modify. There are covers that go over the base of the dildos, okay? That is a company called Banana Pants and they got a bunch of possibilities here. There are two that are covers that slide over the base of the dildo. One is called the bumper and one is called the shagger. The bumper is just provides a, like a convex little silicone pad to grind against. The shagger has actually like a little row of little tongue looking things. It almost looks like a uh, little mohawk. So those provide a, play, um, a surface to grind against for her. The B cush isn't a cover that goes over the base of the toy. It's a flat base, so meaning it is a, a flat pad. It's not a cover, but it's a tacky-backed one so that it sticks to the base. Now, since the last time I checked these products, they added another one called the Lippy, and it's fascinating because it actually looks like vaginal lips, okay? And it is wider in terms of the thickness of it, and there is also a Vibe insert. So this is a fascinating one. It's a new product and I'm very excited about it. I checked the measurements and the measurements seem to indicate that it will indeed fit the new Sensuelle Point. Uh, my two favorite mini vibes, as many of you know by now, are the Blush Limited Addiction and the new Sensuelle Point. So the point is slightly smaller, both in diameter and in length, and it seems to fit within the limitations of that particular pad, the lippy. So it'll work wonderfully with that. But that provides even a different way for your partner to get some vibrations if that's something that she likes. And they do have a different one called the Honey Bunch, which holds a vibe as well. But I really like to structure the lippy better, and I think that it contains the vibe better if the vibe is something that she is attracted to. So you get a lot of possibilities there. I hope one of these combinations is the magic formula for you so that you can get the fucking that you like and she can get the satisfaction and ease in fucking you that she likes. <laughs> so good luck and let us know what you end up with because I'm curious how all this is going to work out. And thank you for the very detailed question. You provided so many details that, yeah, it was fascinating answering this and trying to puzzle it out with you. Okay, thanks for the letter, Rafa. And that's going to do it for this time. PeggingParadise.com is where you can find my blog, podcasts, and my erotica. Pegging 101 offers informational pegging articles only with no kink. My podcasts are available through any of your favorite podcast downloader apps. You can also stream them directly from my website. And the whole collection is over at theartofpegging.com. The follow tab has links for you to subscribe to my blog, follow me on Twitter, <laughs> such as it is at this point. Instagram, FetLife, Reddit, and TikTok. 
When you order exciting new toys from EnticeMe.com, please do remember to use that coupon code RIDER for free shipping. And please send your questions to ruby at peggingparadise.com. No question is too wide, too wonderful, or too wicked. (laughs) My listeners are going to learn along with you, so don't hesitate. Throw those questions in my mailbox or feel free to record your question on the voice app of your phone and send it to me. Thank you all so much for downloading listening. You rock. Happy pegging and no shame. <laughs>